Hello, world. Hello, Tallahassee. Everybody listening on all the podcast platforms. Welcome to another episode of Mr. Speaker Speaks. And today, the segment is going to be the ministry highlight. I have a wonderful pastor, great friend, and I'm going to go deep. I'm just going to have to say a five for everybody that's listening today. Uh, we got Superintendent Derek Harris. We're going to be talking about his ministry down there in Daytona. I'm going to let him slide on that because we're broadcasting live from the highest of seven hills in Tallahassee, Florida, where you know they just strike and strike and strike again. Uh, so we have a great show for you today. Uh, we're going to give you more insight about uh, the ministry. Before we get started, I want to just give a shout out to those who help support this program. I want to give a shout out to Sirius Web Solutions. Your success is our success. They have website development service, graphic designs, digital archiving, and the likes. If you need any of these services, contact them 850-597-1707 on the web at SiriusWebSolutions.com. And Sirius is spelled S-I-R-I-U-S, Sirius Web Solutions. And for all my men, when you're in town, when you're in town, you know, you need a haircut, stop by and see my man Dante over at Blades Barbershop, 2202 Lake Bradford Road, Suite A, here in Tallahassee, Florida. When you go by and see Dante and the crew there, let them know that you heard about it right here from Mr. Speaker on Mr. Speaker Speaks. And so today we're going to talk about Master's Domain Church of God in Christ today. And my guest is the one, the only, the world-renowned <laughs> superintendent, <laughs> Derek Harris. Like always, we're going to kick it off with prayer. And I've asked him if he would just open us up today with a word of prayer. Yes, yes. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us to join together here once again. Lord, we ask that everything we say, everything that we do be done in your will and in your way. God, we thank you for this opportunity to empower, to impact those individuals that are listening. God, we ask of your angels the protection and mercy around each and every one of us as we continue to strive to get more and more knowledge as to how to do your will and your way. In Jesus' precious and mighty name, we do pray. Let everyone say amen. 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 A powerful prayer. And with that, we're going to have our inspirational passage of scripture. And this happens to be our guest, my guest, one of his favorite passages of scripture. And we're coming from the book of Psalm, Psalm 1. And it says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Meditating day and night in the word of God. My guest today on Mr. Speaker Speaks, you know, the show that informs, challenges, and inspires. My guest is Superintendent Derek R. Harris. He's the founder of Master's Domain Church of God in Christ. And since 1995, he has dedicated his life to reaching the lost throughout the community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has worked faithfully in the church for more than 40 years. Throughout these years, he has served in many capacities of servanthood and leadership. He is an anointed preacher, teacher, author, and singer. I can attest to that. Well, he blew some stuff away <laughs> uh, when I heard him sing. He recently commit, completed his second term as president of the Daytona 
Beach Black Clergy Alliance, which serves pastors and congregations throughout the community. Since 2008, he has served as the district superintendent of the Greater Daytona Beach District, which has uh, locations in Daytona Beach and Riviera Beach, Florida. He recently was appointed by Bishop Larry Perkins as the president of Western Florida Second Men's Department. He holds a master's degree in transformative leadership and a bachelor's degree in religion and philosophy from Bethune Cookman University. He has also studied at Asbury Theological Seminary, Liberty University, Daytona State College, and I could go on and on and on. He's been happily married to missionary Darcia Harris since 1993. They have four beautiful children. And help me get these right. Deara. Yes. All right. Danielle, Destiny, and Derek. It's something about those Ds. Oh, it's domain. He <laughs> dominion. About he gives all the praise to his heavenly father. He truly believes that the best is yet to come. With all of that, my friend, my brother in Christ, how are you doing? And welcome to the ministry highlight segment of Mr. Speaker Speaks. I am doing just awesome, and I thank you for the invitation, and I pray that some great things are going to be said on this evening. Oh, yes. We're, we're, going, we're going to start out with, with something real quick. Um, what is something about you that people misunderstand the most? Um, I think sometimes uh, people they come and they think that I'm conceited, but I'm not conceited. I'm just confident in my calling. Um, I know who God made me to be. And so oftentimes people will think that I think too big or that my aspirations are too large, but I serve a great God. And so oftentimes when people first meet me, they don't know how to take me. But then after they get to know me, then they see, that God's hands are on my life and, and I just don't act or think the way that normal people think. Oh, interesting. By way of profession, what do you do? What do you do? Well, I'm an owner and operator of my own barbershop, beauty salon, um, and I deal in several other things in business. And I've owned my own business now for 33 years. Okay. So why Daytona? What made you settle down there? What, what in Daytona? You know where they say here in Tallahassee that other school. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm from Miami, Florida, and oh, you're from the bottom. I didn't know yes, that. Yes, I'm from Miami, and I was here. Um, I was down in Miami, and I um, would sing, and I had a scholarship to Florida International University, Bethune-Cookman, um, also South Carolina State came down to audition me and several um, other uh, institutions. So I accepted the the um, the scholarship to go to Bethune-Cookman. And I had already went to barber school when I was 15 years old. So when I got to school, I had already graduated from barber school and I opened up my business right there in the dormitory and opened up at 18, um, bought our building at 19 years old, the building that we're in to this day, uh, 33 years later. And so um, it, it's just been, and I believe the best is yet to come. Wow. So what part of Miami did you grow up in? I'm from Fort Lauderdale. So. Oh, okay. I'm from Carroll City. Carroll City. Carroll City, yes, yes. I went to American Senior High, went to barber school right on Broward Boulevard, right at Ruffler. 
um, uh, uh, Barber College right there off Broward Boulevard. And Broward. I know yes. where that is. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Wow. So when you look at your life and where you are now, what is one of the things that you recall from your early childhood that has helped you to develop into the man that you are now? Definitely my father. Um, I pretty much patterned so much of what I am from what my father did. My father was a barber. My father was a pastor. My father had four children. Uh, many of the things and the personality that my father, um, um, the way he portrayed himself, I'm, I'm much like that. I'm a lot more aggressive than my father um, was. He, um, he also was a pastor and a district superintendent as well. And so I got so much from him. When you look at life growing up and you said your father was a father, what was it like growing up in the church? And did you ever see yourself becoming a pastor? I always knew I was going to be a pastor. Ever since I was about, um, I say, five, six years old. Um, I, matter of fact, I started building my own church when I was eight years old. Um, I literally would preach um, at the schools on the, uh, and I even wrote out a letter and gave it to the parents in my neighborhood asking if their children could come and be a part of my church that I was going to be building in the backyard, uh, what we call the Bajas down there in Carroll City. <laughs> and um, so I always knew that that calling was on my life. Um, you know, I was saved at a very young age. I preached my first message when I was eight. And so, but I didn't actually get licensed as a minister till I was uh, 21. Wow. So how large was your, was your backyard com, uh, congregation? <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, we had just a couple come here and there and I, and I tried to make them some juice and stuff to get them to come and stuff. <laughs> but I tell you, I've always just been one of, they didn't come to me, then I'll go to them. But, um, and I love the church. I was passionate about the church. Um, as a matter of fact, my greatest vacations were the convocation that I will and and the Sunday school conventions and stuff like that. <laughs> what is it about church that you love so much that keeps you um, drawn to it and there? And I'll, I'll say it from this perspective. I never would have thought I would become a pastor because mm. I hated going to church because I grew up missionary Baptist and my dad got saved and we went church of God in Christ. And I was like, Oh my God, goodness church all day and they said well you can't do this you can't do this you can't go anywhere you can't i was like this is the church that you can't do i ain't i ain't coming i can't do this and, and so for me it was a disdain for it and i couldn't wait until i turned 17 to leave but you grew up in the church loving it what was it about it that drew you to to that well, my grandfather's church, uh, which was Emmanuel Church of God in Christ in Dania, Florida. And what we would do, I would literally see people's lives changed. I would see people that were that were out on the street um, that were just strung. And I would just see like a glow would come over them at a young age. And I was like, wow, this is the I always saw it as like the hospital where people would come in sick and be healed. And and so. At a young age, my life was so greatly impacted for that. And because I had a speaking ability and because I I, I I could sing. And so I was pretty much popular in the church, too. I was a lot more, you know, well-known in the church than I was at school or, you know, different things. So that that's where my girlfriends were. That's where my friends were. That's where everyone was 
But most importantly, what really drew me to the church was I could actually see how lives were changed. And I was like, this is what I want to always be a part of. And it's that way until this day. Always wanting to be a part of the church to help change lives. So what prompted the development of Master's Domain Church of God in Christ? Wow, that was something. Well, let me tell you, I was um, I was licensed. I was dating uh, this girl um, over at um, Bethune-Cookman, one of the 14K, you know, uh, dancers. You know how that is. <laughs> oh, yes, sir. <laughs> I ended up, my, front, my, my beginning years, uh, not my beginning, my beginning weeks at Bethune-Cookman, I went to Butts uh, Temple. That was a church of God in Christ. But the young lady, she was going over to the Missionary Baptist Church. And so I decided to go over there. And so when I went over there, it was Mount Carmel Missionary Baptist Church. And they had, I mean, it was packed. All kind of people were there. And and so they found out that I could sing and that I could play the drums. Next thing you know, they had me on the on the praise team. And and it got to the point where they, um, when I, I was going down the street one day, and all of a sudden, the Lord began to speak to me and say, you know, I called you to preach the gospel. And right now you're playing with me because literally I was doing some of everything and on the praise team and doing all kinds of things. Cause I had left the holiness church and went into a church where literally we just did what we wanted to do, but every, it was no conviction there at all, at all. And so I went and I told the young lady I was with, I said, you know what? God has a calling on my life. And I have to do what God um, told me to do. She said, well, I tell you, you could go to, you could do what you want to do, but I'm going to do what I want to do. And I told the pastor at that time, his name was, um, um, uh, now his name Bishop Triplett. So he's, you know, real big in the, in the full gospel and everything. And now he's a, um, a bishop um, here in Daytona Beach. But I gave him my, my um, testimony of my calling. And I ended up um, doing my trial sermon. I was literally first... Um, um, licensed in the Missionary Baptist Church. And so when I was there in the Missionary Baptist Church, I became the youth minister of, of Mount Carmel and so many things was going on. We, we had hundreds and hundreds of members. I had my own budget. Then all of a sudden the Lord said, I want you to leave and I want you to go to this church called School Street Church of God in Christ. It had about, I say at the most, eight members. And I was like, are you serious? He said, yes, I want you to leave. I want you to go there. And the first Sunday I went there, he said, I want you to go and ask them if you could raise an offering because they had no ceiling. They you had to go to the bathroom outside. It was just what had happened. All of the people had left and this pastor was there and just his wife and, and just this handful of folk. And when the Lord spoke to me, and I spoke to the congregation at that Sunday, it was about five adults in there. And the rest was like about four or five children. And we raised about $1,300 that first Sunday. And we ended up doing a, a building program and we built the entire church. And as soon as the two years was over, the Lord says, now you're going to go ahead and you're going to start this particular church. And it says it's going to be my church and I am going to be the ruler of it. And then he, did, he brought me to the scripture, it says no man can serve two masters. And immediately the name came master's domain, God's house. And we started in a warehouse uh, right next to the barbershop. And, um, and then once we got everything started there, then we went to the back of the barbershop and started having church. 
just my oldest child and my then my my new wife who I had just married and um and we started slowly building it up going from this the next thing you know we built on to the back of the barbershop after we built on to the back of the barbershop we ended up buying another church across town and then we bought the location that we're in right now and so God bless me I was 24 years old when I started pastoring and um and now I'm I'm in the precincts of middle age. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you phrased that. I, yes, like yes. you, I like the way you phrased yes. that. So God has really blessed us. Now, just celebrated my 27th year of pastoring. And, um, and, um, and so to God be the glory. What is the greatest lesson that you learned throughout that from being in the Missionary Baptist Church, going to raise an offering, and then building Master's Domain? What is the greatest lesson that you learn that you can share with pastors now? Well, every single place that I've gone, God has given me a great lesson. One of the things that happened when I was over in the Missionary Baptist Church, I learned organizational skills. Um, it's more than just saying, you know, here, make you walk right here, make you talk right. I was able to be able to just organize my spirituality to the point of really um, motivating people, uh, taking it to an entirely new level. Um, then when I, then of course the, the holiness aspect was something that you just can't be so organized and forget about how God has called you to come out from among them and be separate, not separated, but separate in the world, but not of the world. And so each and every step of the way I've learned so many things, but one of the greatest lessons was, was not to take it personal. Um, there are going to be times where you're going to go through some conflict and you're going to get so upset with individuals. You're going to get upset with, with, with why is it that God is allowing this to happen to me? But always God had to always remind me it's part of a greater plan. So don't give up. Don't allow um, yourself to throw in the towel because truly the best is yet to come. And I constantly have to, I think one of my greatest gifts is I know how to encourage myself. Even when others don't encourage me or say anything, I know I have a great gift of being able to encourage myself. I recall somebody say sometimes you just got to encourage yourself. Sometimes, you know, you're the only one there to do it. Everybody else will leave you, especially when times get hard. You have to know that God has spoken it to you. Yes. What is unique about master's domain that sets it apart from any other church of God in Christ in the world? Let me tell you, I've always had the concept of if master's domain closed down, would the community miss it? I've always operated like that, that I wanted to be where this will be a church where people, they look at it as a beacon of hope, even if they never even step foot inside of it. So, just about every big event in Daytona Beach in the African-American community, when they need to use a facility, when they have community-wide programs, they come and they use Master's Domain. It's nothing for you to be able to see the mayor at our church, the commissioners at our church. Um, you'll be able to see all of the Divine Nine at our church. You'll see individuals, and then just during this pandemic, because so many other places were closed and different things, just about every other week, whenever there's a funeral or a homegoing celebration, they use our ministry. And I've always made it open 
to individuals to say, listen, this is your church. This is the community church. And it's all about empowering individuals. The Bible says through love and kindness have I drawn thee. And so the way that our, our ministry operates is that I'm constantly getting people to understand that you can't do this by yourself. We need the entire community for us to operate and they need us for them to be able to operate. And so I think that's what makes us and sets us apart from other ministries um, in the area and even um, the surrounding all over the state. Uh, that's, that's excellent. Deep in the community. I, I like that actually going out like Jesus did and, and welcoming people and being there when they need you. Yes. That's unique. That's, that's different. Well, if I could add to it, it's just like during the pandemic every week, three times a week, we pull the drum set outside, the keyboard outside, the speakers outside. Whenever somebody had to say, amen, they'll blow their horn. We'll have our entire parking lot filled with cars. And every time I would always remind them that Christ's greatest works were done outside. You know, he, he healed outside. He, 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 um, he, he, um, he taught outside. He, he died outside. He, he rose outside. And when he coming back, he coming back outside. And so I let them know that you have to really, pat, we're Christians. That means that we're Christ-like. Let's do what Jesus did. And because of it, our ministry have grown tremendously because we did what Christ did. Oh, you know, you're going to have a hard time with the young generation. They like going outside is punishment. They like to stay and play video games. <laughs> I remember when we had to stay in the house growing up, boy, that was a hard thing. We used to love to go outside. You talk about outreach and your hand deep in the community. Tell us about one or two programs that you do specifically for the community. I know you allow them to use your facility that you host for programs. So what are some of the things that you actually take out to the community? One of the things is, is that we have many um, feeding programs where we have, especially we have big semi-trucks. And because I have a relationship with so many other organizations, that's another thing that I learned over in the Missionary Baptist Church a lot, that you can't be all things to all people. So what you do is, is that you partner with individuals that are able to do whatever it takes in order for the entire ministry to go forth. And so what I did was, was that because we have the land and we have the facility, I'll allow other organizations to come and it will be a blessing. I don't have to say anything. I don't have to preach. I don't have to be the one with names um, uh, up in lights. But what we're doing is, is we're helping the entire community. So what it is, we have feeding programs. Um, we have, um, oh, one of our greatest programs was Operation Safe Surrender. What do we do? We went and we got the sheriff department, the local police department, circuit court judge, the public defender's office, and we got the state prosecutor's office. We got all of them to agree to have the judge to be videotaped into our conference room. And people could come from all over who have warrants and surrender themselves without having to go to jail. And they, we had people that were facing, that were run, you know, scared from running from the police and all of that. They were able to come and get their records cleaned in the church. We even allowed their families to come with them so, they don't, so they're not scared. And while we were doing that, we also had the Department of Motor Vehicles bus to come outside 
So while the other people who had felonies and, and fleeing felons and getting that out, we have people that have suspended license to get all of their license cleared up and all of these things. It was such a great, great turnout for individuals. But most importantly, it gave us the opportunity to witness, to be able to really let them know about who Christ is in our lives as we shared it with them. So these are just some of the things. And we don't just do this like once every five years. But we are just about every month, Master's Domain is doing something. And um, I really don't know where I get the energy from. I just know, you know, God just gives it to me. But we're always just doing something. Tell us about your service times. Service times. Um, one of the things when I was young, there was something I said I would never do what my father and my grandfather did. I love them to death. They're so beautiful. But I promise that when I become a pastor, that I always knew I was going to be one one day, that when I say we're going to start on time, we're going to start right on time. And we always make sure we cut a bunch of the fat out of the service. We do exactly what we come in there to do. We don't have a bunch of this and a bunch of that. And so our services, Sunday school at 9 o'clock, morning worship at 10 o'clock, and I call it an hour of power. Normally, it's about an hour and 30 minutes or so, but we do exactly what needs to be done. Um, Tuesday night um, is pastoral teaching. All of the adults come in the front, the children come in the back, but then we have our whole culinary arts ministry. They cook food for all of the young. So we have people that haven't eaten all day long. They have their lunch and all the children and stuff. They eat right on Tuesday night. And then on Thursday night, we have our prayer meeting. That has been the signature of our ministry because what we do is we come in and we have several individuals to come and pray over different topics. Then we have, then we break it up, have a little short testimony service. Sometimes I have other inspirational speakers because I believe in making sure that our ministers get used. I don't want them just sitting down on the seat of do nothingness. I want them to constantly be active and improving in their skills. And as we do that, then God allows them to mature more and more in ministry. What is the one thing that you would, knowing what you know now, what is the one thing that you would have done differently to mm. get where you are now? Listen to my wife. That is the biggest thing. Let, let, me, let me explain. God, see, the Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. When God gave me my wife, he gave me someone, it's more than just a help me, but it allowed me to really understand that you can't do this by yourself. And with my wife, what she's been able to do, it's almost like how you have a doctor and a nurse. Even though many times God will give me what to write on that prescription, but sometimes she would have to be the one to administer the shot. And 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 because of it, because of her uh because she's a, a woman, because she has those motherly characteristics, there are certain things that she could say to them that is more comforting than just coming directly from the pastor. So what I've learned now over these years is that the more and more I involve my wife, my children, and other individuals into ministry and really empower them the more, that has allowed our ministry to grow even more. Tell us a little bit about the, the Ministerial Alliance and what's your role in that now and what part does that play in helping you reach other people? 
Well, right now I'm not in, involved in it. Um, um, I was very active before I became president, the two terms while I was president, even after, but they pretty much during the pandemic, um, I'm one of those type of individuals. And I think you kind of can tell that about me is that when I feel that we have to, I believe you only have a time and a season to operate. And if you're an individual that's willing just to sit down or not really move when it's time to move, um, it's not that I don't like you anymore, but I have to go ahead and operate within my season. Um, what I did in the Ministerial Alliance, I was one of those individuals. That's one of the reasons why now when we have programs, I can get on the phone and I can get so many pastors to be able to come to our programs. Because when I was the president, I would go to the pastors who had one, two members, and also go to the pastors with almost a thousand members. And I would get them all to come and sit at the same table. It, it, it would, The reason why I'm able to do that is because I came from the back of a barbershop to now a church that seats 700 people. So I know what it means to see when people are passing out flyers for a mute that they don't even go to your church to put the flyer there because they don't think you have anybody. To now, when people are running for office, they'll come and they'll stop by my church because they want to say something. So I know what it feels like. Not only do I have sympathy, but I have empathy. I understand what individuals go through. And so that really helps me to really build that relationship. And that's what we were able to do in the alliance. Outside of your father, your immediate family, who had the greatest impact on you spiritually? Wow. Who had the greatest impact on me? spiritual well i know one um they just went home to be with the lord and he actually served as my assistant superintendent and that was pastor melvin copeland he was he was a jewel he was if you ever you know i know they say this but if you was to ever look in the in the encyclopedia of what a true man of god is you'll see his picture smiling he he was so loving to his wife he worked hard and he was a great pastor that right there, it's nothing, you know, you can read about, you can see people like Bishop T.D. Jakes and all these other people on television. But when you get a chance to really just sit in the presence of someone that's practicing what they preach, and you can see it vividly, is no greater example. So I got to say that um, Pastor Melvin Copeland also was one of the greatest impacts on my life. Wow. You know, you go to the barbershop on a Saturday, you know, Friday, Saturday, I know that's busy times. And you know, you can hear conversations about everything and anything in the barbershop. You know, from you being a barber, and there's always conversation and talking going on, and everybody has an opinion. How did being a barber and talking to everyone in the barbershop help you to grow your church? Oh, over 80%. I said it Sunday. 80% of our church first came to the barbershop. If you look at our congregation, Either their boyfriend was there first, their husband was there first. And what it did was, because a lot of people were open up at the barbershop and just start talking about things. And because I have the ability to listen, but at the same time be able to go ahead and speak certain words that will be a blessing to them. And they begin to just feel the presence of God in my life, that it was a big drawing card. The barbershop also allowed me 
to be able to deal with a lot of men. See, one of the things about it, as you know, most churches, they don't have a lot of men. In our church, we have quite a number of men that belong there because I've learned that sometimes men, they want to be a man. They, they want to be able to express themselves. They don't want to be talked down to. They want an individual that can be able to really understand that of what they're going through. And so the barbershop has helped me greatly to be able to understand even how individuals will be able to act at church as well too. And because I've been a barber in the area, I'm talking about if that, that was a time, give you a perfect example. There was someone that said they wanted to, you know, try me to a certain extent. When I tell you the toughest, the roughest, the, the, the biggest, if you want to call them the dope boys or whatever, I have individuals in town that if you even hear that someone tries to come against me, I wouldn't have to lift a finger because they, the respect that they have for me because of how I treat them. And I think that really, it just really touches my heart because of the relationship that I've been able to build at the barbershop. And now they are willing to come to the church. If I'm in Daytona, going to school, or if I move to Daytona, out of all the churches around, why should I come to Master's Domain? Wow, that's a great question. And I'll answer it like this. Master's Domain is not a, it's not a good church. It's a great church. It's a great church. But I will tell you this. One of the things I used to do at my house, I used to have a bunch of aquariums. Um, I used to really love different fish and tropical and, and, and salt water and different things such as that. But what I've learned is, is that not all fish can swim together. Um, it takes certain type of aquariums and the atmosphere for certain people. So not everybody is going to be uh, drawn to master's domain. God allows me to meet the individuals that the atmosphere is perfect for this time in their season in their lives. And because of it, it keeps down a bunch of drama. Because even though I believe we have a great church and I would love everybody to come there, but everybody don't belong there. <laughs> 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 so you advise them to come and check us out attend a few services and see check us out and, yeah. and i'm and i'm like that i one of my sayings and they'll you they'll tell you this i said if you don't get help here get help somewhere and i really mean that that if you can't if this is not the place for you we're gonna treat you with so much love but i want you to be at a place where you really feel the presence of god and you feel welcome to really grow in the lord yeah and th this this ministry highlight is to highlight your ministry, but it's also to highlight you. And, you know, um, people tend to see the pastor and then as you get elevated to like superintendent in, in a different light. What do you do for fun? Oh, wow. I love I love going to the movies that that is I love to take trips um, and I love my family. I mean, literally, I go out or I'm with my family every single night. And so my escape is number one, you know, watching different movies and, and it, it really do. And because I'm one of those type of individuals, I could take one word and start really, you know, working with it and getting sermons out of it. I get so much out of listening, looking at the imagination of others and then go ahead and sharpening my imagination skills as well too. So that's one of my greatest outlets. And that's like going out, seeing movies, going to plays, uh, going to musicals. Cause all of my children, are extremely talented musically. 
And so I go and I see them perform as well, too. I know you sing. You're a performer. Out of all the songs that you've ever sung or that you've ever heard, what is the one song that you love that ministers to you? Open the floodgates of heaven. When I hear, I tell you, every time I hear Bishop Paul Morton, and then I, I sing it quite often, and I sing it with my choir, and and then, um, you know, I haven't sung it at the home-going service with my father. It's something about that song, you know, it just really touches me in a mighty way. Looking at both your professional career and your your ministry, what is... And I'll I'll preface it by like this. Most times people share their successes, but they won't open themselves up to share their failures. When you look at barbering, when you look at pastoring, what is one mistake or one failure, one obstacle that changed your life, increased your faith? You know, what is one thing that you had to overcome that you made a mistake in? I would say pride. Um, you know, as the scripture says, pride go up before destruction and the haughty spirit before a fall. Being prideful and not even realizing that I was prideful. I had to really understand that everybody didn't grow up like me. I Because all of my life, I've been in the church. Um even though I was in Miami around so much that was going on after school, I would pretty much go to choir rehearsal. I would do this. I would do that. So a lot of times when people would just go and and sell drugs or, or uh, be out in the streets hustling and all, I would look down on them sometimes, not even realizing that I was looking down on them. And it took something to happen to me where I was falsely accused of a crime well, I was facing almost 15 years in prison for something that I didn't even do. And it helped me to understand that there's a lot of individuals out there that you don't even realize the circumstances that they went through. Here it is. When I was falsely accused of, of someone saying that I had hit them with a car and drug them down the road and never did any of that. And here it is. I had a little money. I had, I was a pastor. Um, I knew all of the officials, but yet they still told me I had to go turn myself in. And that let me know something that even with everything that I thought I had, that I was about to go down. Imagine those individuals that didn't have any connections or anything. Imagine the people that's in prison right now for, for just humdrum charge that somebody just put on them. It allowed me to really have empathy for so many other individuals. And that was a big mistake of mine because I was, I had gotten to the point where I was holier than thou. And so the Lord really had to break me down from that. And, um, and I know for a fact that I'm a better man for it. Said your family, man, I'm going to go, going to go out here and ask you this one. If I were to ask your wife to describe you in three words, what do you think those three words would be? Oh, in three words, what would my wife say about me? I would say she would say I'm hardworking. That um, that I am. <laughs> that that I 
I'm crazy about her. And I know that's more than one word. I, and I would pretty much give her it. I, I have her so spoiled I, because I want to give her everything. And um, and uh, I'm loyal, dedicated. I, I'm very, I can honestly say I've been married now for 29 years. I've never cheated on my wife. I've always been faithful to her. And 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 I'm really I'm I'm in it to the end. <laughs> and um and so and I think she would she would say that about me that I'm gonna make sure that she's taken care of. I know there wasn't three words, but that's the best I could do. <laughs> <laughs> I know I caught you off guard. I know yeah. I caught you off. Oh I mean, so and I'm 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 gonna go another level here. You know, I know Church of God in Christ, you got you guys a church mother, you guys a church deacon and the, the head of the deacon board and all that and and the finance committee, trustee board. But I'm I'm gonna stick with the deacon. Because <laughs> the deacon supposed to have your back. If I were to ask the deacon to describe you in one word, <laughs> what would your chairman deacon say about oh, you? Oh, they would say I'm a pusher. I, I don't allow you to sit down. Um that I I I love you, but I don't like lazy people. I, I'm sorry. And they they know that about me. If and that that was another one of my you talk about one of the things. One of the things I had to learn was was that let people go ahead and do. Because if I ask you to do something and you don't do it, then next thing you know, you'll see me doing it. And I had to learn you know, some some people you're gonna have to ask two or three times, even though I hate to do that, but they will tell you that um I'm a pusher. I push you out your comfort zone. And um, and I'm a man of faith. It has nothing to do with how much money in the bank account. If the Lord showed it to me to do it, we're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> now faith is the substance of things. Hopefully. We, got, we got some substance. We're going we gonna to make it happen. And I'm going to show you my faith <laughs> on my works. Let's get to work. Push them, push them. Let's get to work. Wow. This has truly, truly uh, been a pleasure to have you here on the ministry highlight wow. at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, what would you like to be said about you, your life, your ministry? Oh, wow. I think the thing that I would like the most is that number one, when it come down to, I would want my family to say that, you know, my children said my daddy really loved us and he he really wanted the best for us. I would want the members of the church to say that I really loved them, that I wanted the best for them and that I would do anything I could to see them go to another level in God. Um, that I deeply, I deeply, you know, care for them. And I want to see I want to see greatness, not only in them, but in their children and their children's children. I would hope that that's what they would say about me. And, and most importantly, that when it's all said and done, that when they close that lid or it's, you know, before Jesus come back, that they'll say he didn't spend any time wasting time, that he truly gave it his best. And that that's really what I wanna, want them to say. Um, that is absolutely wonderful. Oh, man, I'm just learning so much about you tonight my brother on the ministry highlight got just pretty much one more question for you you go through life you learn a lot you experience a lot well i'll save that um till last 
give us your contact information. How can people contact you? Where are you located? Give us all of that information. So sure. people are listening now. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can definitely be able to contact us. Um, um, number one, our, um, for our local address, which is 511 Fremont Avenue, Daytona Beach, Florida. And that's 32114. Uh, you can also contact us um, through our email, which is DRH Ministries. That's that for Derek Raybell Harris. <laughs> DRH <laughs> Ministries at AOL.com. Um, also, we're, we're on Facebook, Master's Domain, uh, uh, and you can be able to see us on our Facebook page. And then also, uh, we're actually redoing our entire website to take it to a whole new level. Actually, some of the things that was inspired by you um, <laughs> as I begin to talk to you at the Holy Convocation. So there's a whole bunch that we're doing. So um, please, please, all roads can lead right on over here to Master's Domain. We'd love for you to come. And I will tell you, he is a great man of God. And I'm so glad that I'm getting to know him. Um, and we've talked and, you know, it was just always something. And we figured it out at the Holy Convocation. <laughs> something, something about that year, 1906. I'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> a few men over at uh, Cornell University in Ithaca, New York. <laughs> As we say, A5. Uh, <laughs> my last question here, you know, when it's all said and done and you look at everything that you've done and how you've spent time here, spent time there, but what matters most to Superintendent Harris? What matters most to you? Now, the, the proper answer, what most pastors would say, is that I please the Lord. But <laughs> Pleasing the Lord is actually found in Scripture as how to please him. And the Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. To me, not only do I want to make sure I leave an inheritance to my children's children, but also to my spiritual children's children. I want to be able to leave words of encouragement, words of empowerment. Also, I want to not only just leave words, but I also want to leave um, um, a property. I, I want to be able to leave uh, institutions of higher learning. Um, um, I want to be able to have a legacy that continues to go on that will let other individuals know that with God, all things are possible. And so I think that's one of the things that I wanna make sure that I'm able to leave. And so that that would really please God because that means I haven't wasted my life. That when God made me, I know that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And that when he put this inside of me, that I use what it is that he gave me to use. Hmm. Leaving it all out on the field, as we would say, pastor, superintendent, alpha man. <laughs> this has truly, truly, been wonderful. Um, you blessed my heart. You shared with the listening audience. And I want to let everybody know that if you're in Daytona Beach, go by and see the man that can sing. 
that can preach because he's been preaching forever at 511 Fremont Ave, Daytona Beach, Florida. You know, down there where those Wildcats are. But he all right. He on the battlefield for the Lord. I can associate that wild man. He like John the Baptist. He out there. He preaching the gospel. Go by and see him and all the members of Master's Domain Church of God in Christ. You know, you've been listening to Mr. Speaker Speaks. This segment is called the Ministry Highlight. And today we've been highlighting Master's Domain. You know, life is all about purpose. And I always ask the question, do you know yours? Because if you know your purpose, you can pivot into your purpose with power and precision with the help of the Lord. Getting ready to get out of here. Check me out at VincentTEdwards.com. Online training at VincentOnDemand.com. But remember, like I always say, in all that you do, be magnificent. And until next time, be good, be blessed, but most of all, be a blessing to someone. Peace. Okay.